Right, welcome back to Unplug Health Series, past post Easter episode two hundred and seventy-three, episode something rather. And uh, today we're talking all things blood and sugar. blood sugar levels, glucose levels. This actually is following on from a discussion I had earlier in the week with a, uh, a patient of ours who was asking about. Um, the concept of using blood sugar levels and measuring blood sugar levels on a regular basis through the day as a an indicator or a way to manage health and manage um, diet, not from a weight perspective, but from an energy perspective and that. So um, I thought uh, I would also pose that same question and, and start that as a discussion with, with Ollie today. Purely because I know Ollie has done a lot of uh, work and, and works a lot more with clients than I do, specifically with blood sugar levels. And, and yep. at times I've had to watch how I adjust Ollie because he's had a sensor on and all sorts. So without having to reinfo- uh, reinvent the wheel as such, I was interested to know what your experience of that and how you use it and, 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 and go from there, really. I think when we actually look at health, um, we look at so many things that are going on around nowadays that there's higher diagnosis of ADHD, ADD, there's migraines, there's brain fog, there's sleep problems, there's stress and loads of things that happen in our body. We can usually trace a lot of them back to poor blood glucose management. Yeah. And and blood glucose management is almost like a, um, window into a whole yeah Uh, other issues from cortisol to sleep patterns and everything exactly and it's the foundation of when i work with clients that we look to test glucose do we have a 24-hour glucose monitor like a freestyle libra which are not the cheapest they're like about 50 pounds and you can get them prescribed for two weeks or do you have a finger prick test where it's a glucometer you test it and there's pros and cons for each one so what are you looking for so you get someone to to you know measure the levels. Obviously, the levels aren't going to be um, stable, mm-hmm. um, as what this client was saying is like, oh, my goal is to have stable levels. And I was saying to her, well, you're going to find it interesting because you're also going to see of how much they change, particularly when you eat, what and how you eat, you know, your stress levels and that. So you're going to gain more information. Yeah. But she was coming straight from the element of if I have. If I, um, she wanted to change her diet of like, I want to eat, eat little and often to keep my blood sugar levels stable the whole time. Um, do you prescribe to that element of assessing it or you start off with just, um, let's see what your levels are. What, what does a patient gain or you gain from men- measuring, regularly measuring glucose, say for a couple of weeks? Depends on symptoms, really. Like if someone comes to me, serious brain fog, dips in energy, having to rely on caffeine, they're struggling to get to sleep, struggling to stay asleep or waking, needing the caffeine, then they're signs where we would look at blood glucose. Now, it depends if that person's glucose is all over the show, up and down. Is it just running high all the time? Is it running low? And is it... um, It's running high at certain times of the day. Hypoglycemia, hypoglycemia. Then we go into the roots of like serious problems with adrenal when we have reactive hypoglycemia. Mm. Uh, and then we get issues there. So I look at how steady is it? Because we do want it steady. But there's also the awareness of that even if we have a low sugar meal, a protein or fat-based meal, it's going to go up a little bit. So yeah. we want a steady baseline. And actually where I want it for a client for optimal brain function, 
for lowering anxiety, getting rid of brain fog, all these sorts of things, is between 4.2 and 4.9 yeah. fasted, first thing in the morning. Now, when we eat, it's going to go up. And what I do with people, if they're doing a manual test, is 20 minutes before a meal, not every meal, 20 minutes before to see where it's at, 20 minutes after to see where it goes from that meal, and then one hour, two hours afterwards to see where it goes to. So it sh we should see it go up, that's where it is 20 minutes after, and then come back to where it was before. A lot of people talk around the two-hour two window of within two hours after the meal having it back to like back nice to and steady yeah. yeah and I'll, so I'll, it's a bit like heart rate is that a heart uh, a variable heart rate doesn't always mean there's an issue with the heart it sometimes can be an issue with how you're running your life but yep. you're using the heart rhythm or how well the heart can return back to normal after stress or exagger um, exercise yep is uh, an indicator of cardiovascular health it doesn't necessarily mean that someone necessarily has a problem with their diet, but it can be that they have other issues in their life. It's linked, affecting like, that. With glucose, is linked to being overweight. It's linked to diabetes, and you don't have to be overweight to have poor blood glucose yeah. management. I've seen very, very lean people in good aesthetic shape that have had poor blood glucose. Oh, I've got. I bet if I if I tested I've got patients it, who are diabetic who you'd say are are yeah. ideal weight or look they not. If I tested mine when I used to compete in bodybuilding, I bet it would have been all over the show. Yeah. But what we have to look at is that every time it spikes high, our body needs to release insulin to grab that sugar and take it into the cell. We do that too much, we then get resistant to it. Like insulin isn't yeah. able to do its job or we can't release enough of it. And once it drops down, the body then gets confused and there's mixed signals sent. So it pushes the insulin down too, or the sugar levels down too low. Then we have to release cortisol, to, yeah. which spikes it up, which is a stress on the body. Now, each time we have this stress, it's a stress on the gut lining as well, and the enteric nervous system, the nervous system around the gut. So we then release cortisol, it's a stress on the body. So we stop digesting food the way we want. We know it's going to send like signals to the adrenals to release adrenaline, and then we get yeah. into the fight or flight mode. So yeah, I mean... That's a big one, isn't it? And especially in the modern day life of chronic stress, um, blood sugar level regulation is, is very heavily associated with adrenal function. And then also it feeds us into sleep patterns yep. and you know cortisol and melatonin. So it's, it is a very interesting window. It's a very interesting window and, and also... And I think also it's quite interesting when people do it of real, it's actually seeing what your blood sugar levels does after a meal. And exercise. Yeah. Because we see a lot of times with people. So if I have someone who can't sleep during the night, they're waking up two, three times to go to the toilet and it's not because of a weak bladder, it's because of cortisol, it's because of stress, it's because of poor blood glucose management. And they're working out in the evening. I'll get them to, if they can't work out earlier, I'll get them to take a couple of weeks off the gym and see the difference. Yeah. Because five hours before bedtime, we have melatonin, the sleep hormone, start to be built up to its peak. Now, that's usually around 10, 30-ish sort of time. If we have a spike in cortisol in that five hours, so from five o'clock till 10 o'clock, that then blunts that melatonin release and we have to restart it. Now, if we're going to the gym, we release cortisol. If you have road rage on the way home, if you have an argument with your partner, or things that can cause stress is if we're looking at the screens too late and we have exposure to blue light, which then makes our 
brain think it's time to wake up by its sunlight, there's a release of cortisol. So we can see all these different things when we have poor blood glucose management and you're checking it with a freestyle Libra on your arm or I'm sure there's other makes of constant glucose meters out there or you're testing it, then it's interesting to see what happens because people will spike it up when they exercise and then it doesn't drop but they haven't got good clearance. So then it doesn't drop so then they're wide awake. So they'd be better off to have morning workouts but also an interesting one, I had a client that so you're What's saying that? like if someone exercises and you same same as if the equivalent of someone eats eats something that goes up, you're also interested in how quickly the body yeah. gets back. Hence we want to look at exercise intensity and I see a lot of people smashing workouts. Those are functional fitness, CrossFit, or doing sprint training when they're running, or like they get very competitive with themselves. Yeah. And I have definitely been in that. You've seen me in that part where it's not good for us. Yeah. Like working and smashing you're these workouts kind of, at 6, burning 7, 8 p.m. The system which is already burnt out. Yeah. And then also a client of mine um, got multiple staff members and he said, he sent me his glucose levels and we got in a conversation about he had to sack one of his staff members. Freelance, so it wasn't like, it was, it was getting rid of her basically. He gave us some notice. And it was stressful. And I said, was that at 4.45 p.m.? How did you know that? Well, there was a spike at 5 p.m. Yeah. And those stresses that we have, it's that quick release of epinephrine, of adrenaline, then there's the cortisol release, which is a little bit slower. But then that spikes yeah. the glucose. So and if I, we're stressed, we're going to crave more food. I suppose also the benefit of that, if, if clients can see that and then they can understand, they also become aware more of the the holistic element of their life and how that affects everything. Whereas a lot of people, when you mention, it's a bit like people, when you say to people, do you have much sugar in your diet? And they go, no, I don't have any sugar in my tea or coffee. And they, they don't grasp the whole concept of sugar comes from a lot of, any you know, all carbohydrates go to sugar. I think when you talk about blood sugar level and blood sugar management, people instantly think about sugary diet, not all yeah. these other lifestyle things that rice oats well and, and not, and not only only purely diet but the fact as you say like exercise sleep patterns other well, exercise can it breaks it down right your efficiency of how your blood sugar levels are regulated just overall management of the stress yeah, but yeah. one of the things that i see and we just had a quick um touch on it when um we were chatting in in the adjustment room is that we see a lot of people going down the intermittent fasting route now, if anyone doesn't know what intermittent fasting is, it's basically where you have a window of not eating and then a window of eating. And one of the more popular way, one is 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. So 16, yeah. eight, you might have 20 hours of fasting, four hours of eating and so on. And it's very much publicized that it's really good for blood glucose management and really good for health. But I've seen people that have poor blood glucose management make it worse by having this fasting period. And we cut it down. Women in particular have worse blood glucose management because of the hormonal balance yes. than guys. And especially when it comes to the time of their period where they are on their menstrual cycle, there's more craving of sugar. So then our body's craving it. We have then worse blood glucose management and then we're trying to fast. The stress happens of waiting hours. It's not 12 hours, 14 hours. Yeah. And then it makes it worse. So actually like those little and often with the right composition can work you towards getting intermittent fasting. 
we go straight into it because it's the thing to do just like ketogenic was or vegan or whatever it was like that can cause more harm than good especially like looking at someone's health history uh and also the other thing i was looking at the other day there was there was a an article about um fasting you know two two days or or so a week looking to fast and the interesting thing was that so this article spoke about fasting being um a 12-hour time frame so they were advocating that twice a week you would have a 12-hour window where you um you didn't eat so that it gave your they were saying it kind of gave the the body assist the system a chance to um regulated the blood sugar levels as opposed to eating all the time and they then said um that 12 hour time frame could be any time of the day any when you're sleeping yeah so and then they said most people do that uh when you sleep so i said okay well 12 hours so what does it actually look like as in implementing it so 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 well that's like eight for eight or or six until six depending on what so well that that's that's fairly straightforward to do but then the article went through to saying that some people find that really tough and i thought well that says something about our habits is that for some people to not eat something say from eight o'clock at night through till eight o'clock in the morning well not would be a, just will about be a tough habits, because it, what i'm ta- what i'm leading yeah. towards is the concept of someone will have something to eat so they go to bed at 11 o'clock They'll have something to eat between Hot eight and eleven, or a exactly. cup of tea, whatever it is. Or if they get up at say half past six, they will have something before that eight o'clock. So it made you realise that for a lot of people, their 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 daily routine and habits, they probably go in from you know seven eight. If you look at not everyone sleeping eight nine ten hours, a lot of people are, are probably going six seven eight hours away between a meal. Well, how many people actually can sleep eight hours without waking up? Yeah. And I'd done a talk at the Norfolk Club and there were 75, it was a business leaders lunch and 75 people there. And I thought, this could go one or two ways, this little uh, trial thing I'm going to do. Got everyone to stand up, which was a mistake because I'm short. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I am still here. But I said that... You can't see me. Yeah, you can't listen to Just listen to me. First off, I want you to sit down if you've had times regularly where you struggle to get to sleep at night. A lot of people sat down. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I want you now to sit down if you wake up during the night to go to the toilet regularly, once a night, twice it, a night. It's three a really times interesting a one, that one, yeah. Most people sat down. And then the third one was um, if you wake up and you are not yourself until you grab your coffee, but then you have afternoon energy dips and suffer from brain fog two people were left standing or three people including myself and it's interesting isn't it? it's yeah. actually though those two people one of them i know personally should have really sat down because of our conversations that we've had and it made me just realize that's 74 out of 75 people that are suffering from that was the other person the ego egotistical guy that's in there that didn't want to admit it because there's always going to be one of them yeah. I used to be that guy. Well, I, I must, I must be alright. Yeah, um, and then we don't want to see it. It's, it's the self awareness. But I would say that if we were to, I, I'm going to use the term pandemic. If we were to look at a real pandemic now, it's sleep and poor blood glucose management. Thanks for joining us in part one 
of this podcast on blood sugar levels. Look out for part two wherever you hooked up to join this podcast.